and opinions expressed in this broadcast are those of the host slash guest and do not necessarily reflect the views or positions of any of BXR entities and those they represent. What's up, people? Um, I left my phone at home, so I can't share out the show. So if you're watching, please share out the show. Please tell a friend. Please subscribe. Please donate. Please be a guest. Um, today, um, we're waiting on Blue to come. Uh, it didn't say that. No. Copy link address. Share it. Let me send one I sent to him. Just a second, people. We're waiting on um, an individual. Oh, man. So we have um, Blue will be joining us shortly. And then we have another guest uh, joining us. He is one of the actors from the You Thought I Was Him uh, play that I've been working on for the last year. Um, he'll be joining us shortly. Uh, Noah Silas is his name. He's been on here a couple times before. Um, this past week, um, I am really trying hard to show up. Not not that it was a problem before, but I had taken myself out of a space of going out and doing a lot of stuff. One, we we are and was in a very bad um, pandemic, and it wasn't really safe to be out all the time at all at one point. Um, and I'm trying hard to just get reacclimated to attending events and going out to workshops and seeing plays. And I did that. I sprinkled that um, as we begin to come out of the lockdown portion of the pandemic. Um, and I went back to in-person working. Um, however, this part, the radio, the podcast that I do, it's still virtual. I like that component. Um, but um, I'm just getting myself back in the space of being around people. Um, GoDaddy, an uh, organization that I was work that I didn't work for, but I had um, taken some classes with. Um, they were offering some entrepreneurship kind of professional development classes, and I took part in them. 
And on this past Thursday, I believe, or was it Wednesday? Wednesday, they had this huge um, expo at the Parkway Theater at North and Charles. And it was a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of people that have not been to something that big uh, in the pandemic, since the pandemic. Um, but it's very interesting. They had a number of workshops. Um, Mayor Brandon Scott stopped by for the last portion of it um, and did a conversation for um, entrepreneurs and artists and things that initiatives that the city's the city is currently taking to help. Um, What's the meeting ID, Moni? Can you text it to me? Um, uh, so yeah, it was a number of uh, workshops and stuff like that. Um, and just a lot of networking with other artists and entrepreneurs, some I'm very familiar with. Um, and it was great to see people come out to events. One of the things that I wanna say is, um, just because, so GoDaddy is this huge conglomerate um, organization. Um, I don't want people just to come out when it's a GoDaddy type of name on it. There are a lot of great um, organizations and individuals and companies doing a lot of great work within our community um, that is just as great as GoDaddy. GoDaddy has an initiative and I'm not bad mouthing them because I've taken part in a lot of their programming, but there's a lot of programming going on in our city that is also great, that is also worth your while. So please stop coming out of this stuff that is just corporately sponsored. Because typically when corporations do big outreach projects like this, no matter how great it is for the community, they still have an initiative, you know, uh, uh, intention, I said initiative, uh, intention behind doing that. You know, and I'm sure, you know, GoDaddy is looking down the line and seeing that people do need websites. They've given out several websites um, on their brand. Um, I got mine and you know all the services are free for two years. Um, and that's a great initiative, but a lot of it is, you know, after the two years is over, they're you know making it so you're gonna need them. So what a better way to keep a customer than to continue to treat them and, and do great things for their community. So just know that there are a lot of other programming all the other days of the year, not just on certain days all the days of the year of other programmings like the Black to the Future event that happens every month. Um, I'm a partner in that initiative and not just because I'm a partner in it, but I know my intention behind starting it. And it really was to help entrepreneurs out in a way that we don't typically get the wrap around services. Now, GoDaddy and organizations like GoDaddy can do a lot of great work. Um, in our community. And I am, you know, I'm excited that, you know, they are joining forces with many of our organizations to bring better work. Um, turn your phone around, Noah. Turn your phone around. Can he hear? 
I think his thing is frozen. Um, but I'm really um, just excited about all the new things that are going on in the city, around the city, um, for the city. Um, but just be mindful of the things that you that you do log in with and 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 support and um, put your name in association with when you're not doing that for the programming that's here all year long or for the, your, your actual residents that are doing and creating pathways and opportunities for us as artists and entrepreneurs to grow and achieve. I just don't want us to overlook our own in the pursuit of money or extra dollars, so on and so forth. So, um, but beyond that, it was really great. Um, I've been seeing how this community is working and I see a lot of people making a concerted effort to work together to support other people, to show up for other other people, and not just friends, but their community. Um, but there's still a ways for us to go because there's still people who find comfort and safety in a click. Um, and there's some not so positive things going on amongst those click members. Um, and it's stuff that, you know, I gotta get out of my system. You know, I've, I've learned not to, because I've had a bad experience with someone or something, I don't go straight to my social media anymore. Um, and I really don't share it with many people other than if it's like a close friend or something. But beyond that, I've learned not to do that. Today's topic is getting out of your own way. And part of me analyzing my habits and the things that I do is helping me to get out of my own way in terms of being an entrepreneur and an artist and just across the board. And I see the ladies have joined us, I mean, Blue, and 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 um, um, Blue has joined us. Um, I'm really nervous about this lady on the wall, but I'm I'm gonna welcome both of them in. If you can bring Noah, Solace. Oh no, I wasn't prepared for this. I know that's why I didn't tell you. And Blue Waters, aka the Kitty Cat. You can bring them in. I'm not. Oh, I'm not. I'm not in yet. I can hear you. You can. Oh, ooh, ooh. oh. How y'all doing? I'm fine. I'm. It's just me. I'm. Um, mute yourself, um, Noah. He's hey. not. Here. Oh, How you Wait a minute, what happened? Y'all y'all both talked at the same time. Hi, both of y'all. Hi. Nick. It was too much for him, Blood. It was. I had to I had to take take a moment to collect my myself. I had to get out my, my own way. This mm. anxiousness was flaring up, Blue. Is that what that was? That's what we gonna call it. Oh, because I'm about to say they had appointments for that. <laughs> So how are you fellas doing? I'm good. Hi, Noah. Hey, how you doing, Blue? How are you? You know, same shit, different day. It's been a long time. It ain't been that goddamn long. Oh my <laughs> goodness. How many years has it been? <laughs> wow. I feel the, the same way sometimes, Blue. You feel the same way? I do. Okay. He'd be off there adventuring with his others 
and he mm. don't have time for the you know the uses sometimes. But it's it's cool. It's cool. Yes. So if you have not realized it, or if you have been unaware of me spamming you on social media, um, I've been talking about you thought I was him project for a year now. And um, both Blue and Noah are a part of this process. Noah is actually one of the cast members of the play. He plays Kevin Sr. He's somebody's daddy um, in this production. So you're playing people's fathers now. So that's another level. That means okay. you're old. So when, Nate, when you said that he was playing somebody's daddy, I took that in a whole different line. I was mm. like, what type of play is this? <laughs> you got to come see. It might surprise you. It just might surprise you. <laughs> so, so um, for both of you, I, I'm going to start with Noah, because Noah has come on in like the second phase of this project, whereas we were moving out of the writer's room and the workshops and the community conversations into um, the workshop portion of it, where we were building the script, building on the script that we have, and now we're in the rehearsal project process, and we're less than 20 days away from said production. So how are you feeling being a part of this production, Noah? Um, well, I'm very excited to be working with Troy Burton and, and yourself and Tracy. Um, you know, y'all have seen me grow up and y'all have, I've seen you guys around my entire life in the art scene. So to actually be working with y'all actually is... Um, a privilege um, and my first time doing a theater show that is a new work like this. You know, I've I've worked with <clears throat> playwrights before, you know, and mm -hmm. they do show, but usually it's, it's, you know, it's past the workshop phase. They've already done it in a small town and now they're, they're mm -hmm. ready to, to, to shop the script. So this is the first time where I've been in a part project where the script is brand new and it's still being worked workshop and the director and Troy has given us um a lot of leeway through character development to um you know bring more foundation to the script. So it's it's really a it's a great learning experience um and it's such Baltimore legends. Mm. So you all are, um, it, it definitely a, It definitely is a different process. Um, being in a theater company myself, I got the chance to work with some original pieces, some first time pieces, and it is a difference um, coming in on a project that's already been developed and you're just workshopping it. Um, we did that with um, Susie Lloyd Park, 365 plays. So I got to see it from that perspective. And then, like you said, typically we're working with like an August Wilson piece or Shakespeare piece um, where it's something that's been done and we just doing it our own way this time. It's definitely a different experience. And uh, it's very interesting seeing you all, I won't say hesitate because you're used to the latter, um, try to find yourselves in this, in this work. Um, but Blue was on the piece um, as we were doing the community conversation portion of it, like the end of the first phase of the project um, where we brought in a number of men um, 
that we were in this room, this safe space, having the conversations that you all are now getting like the bullet points for and the words, some of the verbiage that is being used and this came directly from that um, room. Blue will be um, one of the people that we asked to come to one of our previous shows. So he'll be able to see a lot of those conversations manifested in you all as actors. So Blue, tell me about your experience being in a community um, conversation portion of this production. Well, um, you know, when I got with Troy and yourself, we had the conversation and he was telling me what his vision was. Um, I thought that it was a wonderful idea to have individuals that he wanted represented to hear their actual voices. Um, right. And so community conversation was really, um, it, I enjoyed it. It was amazing. It needs to happen more. Um, I mm -hmm. think that the individuals that participated needed that space to talk. They needed their stories to be heard and um, to actually see it come to life. I think that would be really, that's, that's what I'm looking forward to. Um, mm -hmm. The character that developed as a result of that conversation, I definitely want, I would like to see them come to life. Um, I think I, I was preparing for this conversation because the um, the actors that you selected, I wanted to see how they aligned with the characters that they were um, that they they were actually playing. So you know, to see if um, there was some common themes, if the character was if similar to who they were, um, if it was a stretch for them, um, if it was mm -hmm. difficult, if it was even difficult for them to even tackle the piece. How like I, I'm interested to know that aspect of it. And so I was looking forward to this conversation. I'm looking forward to the conversation with every last one of them because that's the, the one question I wanna see is like, you know, um, how does this, um, how do you relate to the individual that you're playing? That's a good question. So Noah, how- the daddy in real life. Uh, um, I, so Kevin Sr. is from Division and in, in Islamic ways, and that's mm -hmm. where I grew up. So it's a lot of uh, a little West Side, little quirks that he has um, and that I'm adding to to him. Um, so that's the, that is the element that we have in common. And he's a teacher. I used to teach theater, blah, blah, blah. Um, but the major, uh, but minus those few things, Blue, um, it Kevin is you know is a stretch for me. You know he's a, he's a married man. He has a kid. Um, he's a basketball coach, and he's like the he's the he's the community father. You know, um, one one little um, note about the character when we first started working, like the relationship between Kevin Senior and Kevin Senior is like he is the community father all the young men and, and young people come to him for advice and, and to spend time. And he's, he's given so much time to the community that he, he's lacking, um, you know, that, that quality time with his son. Um, so that was a very interesting aspect of their, of their relationship. But yeah, it was definitely a stretch for me. Um, definitely playing an older dude, just what it really means, what it looks like, what it feels like to be that, that dude that everybody looks up to, that everybody goes goes to. Um, and I'm very, very excited 
to see this because I think the writers did a really good job just as far as the continuity between the character relationship because even though I'm established as this community father figure, you know, I'm I'm still reaching out to the character named Uncle Brother. Uh, you know, I, I'm still reaching out to him for it for advice. That that's my mentor. So it's just interesting to see the dynamics of these real life human beings. You know? It's very interesting to um uh to see this piece kind of transition to the next thing because I just came out of the writers' room uh, and I was in there most of the days that they were. Well, all the days that they were in there and seeing them kind of brainstorm and coming up with ideas and going backwards even further to the community conversations where a lot of their notes, uh, notes were given to even the writers from that uh, process. And then even before that, you know, myself, Blue, DDM, um, and uh, Troy Burton, uh, the producer and director of this project, um, having a conversation amongst ourselves about accountability amongst Black men, um, same thinking, same, you know, uh, type of men, um, and not really the same in all ways, but we overlap in ways. So a lot of those conversations carried on into the community conversations, then to the writer's room, and now into the rehearsal room. Um, I would challenge anybody who is a creative to think about trying it at least once this way. Um, this piece has been very much so connected to the community and really community first. Um, even in all aspects of it, the people we chose to be in all the various rooms that we've had, even the podcast uh, series that came out of this. Um, it has been very interesting to watch you all, especially as actors, grow uh, in this piece. And I, I really can't wait for people to see it. Um, doing something for the first time is very scary. Do you have any fear or, you know, butterflies in that way? Um, not any different that I would feel from doing an already established show. It's the normal fears of, you know, will the audience get it? You know, uh, mm -hmm. is, the, is the direction well? Am I doing all that I'm doing? Am I really believing in my character? So just those, those normal nerves. But no, I, I mean, I feel like regardless of me acting in it, I felt the piece itself was very strong. So even if, mm -hmm. even if folks didn't see it up up on its feet if they just read it as the book it would still change change lives it would still make an impact because it has a good foundation um so i'm not nervous about it being new i really think it's it's very important i think the message needs to get out there i'm just nervous you know that i'm am i capable to uh to rise to the mantle that is being set mm. that's okay. an interesting question are Can you, you to the mantle? I mean, do you feel as though you've risen to the mantle or do you feel mm -hmm. that there's areas that you need to work on? It's uh I, so looking at you, I could see a daddy figure. I mean, I don't see that as a, a stretch. I mean, outside of the fact that you may not have any children, but I mean, basketball, sports, and things of that nature, I think that you could align with that. There's some commonalities there i don't know are there or not i mean I'm, you know just the complexities and the nuances that makes human beings who they are you know 
I, I don't think that Kevin and I align in as, as far as our ideologies and what our mm -hmm. hopes and dreams are, who we are when there's nobody else around. I think we're different in that aspect. So trying to find truth that brings truth in who he is when he's around everybody else. So that's that's the stretch for me. Okay. Is there any what was has there been any tough moments for you in in learning who Kevin is and developing further developing that character? Yeah, I, I'm still trying to find his voice. Still trying to find his own, you know. Um not trying to be like the stereotypical TV black actor playing the 40-year-old father, so I got to put him the deep voice all the time, you know? But just trying to find, um, again, trying to find that tone, like his his right tone that is, that is, uh, that will help establish who he is, that even uh, uh, to, to paint that complete picture, audio, visual, and for the audience, you know, I wanted to match. I, I know I can look like a dad because I have the bags and the beard, and I'm big, so I can have that size. But you know, I'm 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 very particularly interested in how I'm a, a school teacher, a second grade school teacher who fits on vision and Islamic way off of Finspain Avenue. You know, so that's a that's a very interesting sound. You know, mm. I'm still you've walked each one of those journeys before, minus maybe second grade a little bit, but you've walked in those paths before. So it wasn't a stretch to think about what that would sound like or look like. And even you just mentioned being a 40-year-old dad, even that looks different than it may have when, you know, well, Blue is much older than 40. Let's just put that out there. But <laughs> thinking about what that sounds like in a 40-year-old that we thought was 40 is not necessarily what it, what it is today or the all the only thing it is today so really putting your own um self in it um have you are you staying away from adding too much of you in it or is that was that a given to do that that's me as an actor for everything i always stay clear of trying to put too much of myself in it only for safety reasons so when i'm finished with the character and this is mostly for like um other characters that I've played that are really dark or have some internal con conflict, but I'm finished with the play, that process where I'm letting that character go, I found early in my career have too much of me in it, aspects that can get caught up in, in my in my regular life. So just for safe safety reasons, always like reasons and and practice reasons, always try to um keep as little as me of the character out as possible. Uh, how is it working with Troy again? Uh, how is that process working with Troy? Or just I mean, you've done it when you were younger, but how is it now being an adult working with Troy? I've never worked with Troy. This is my first time working with Troy. Okay. I thought it maybe in a youth theater that you worked with him. So I how is it your first Robert. time? I did uh, youth theater with Robert Chu. Um, okay. This is is very, again, it's a privilege, um, and every director is different. So I always um, 
just kind of save room. You know, I kind of leave the expectations at the door and accept what is to come. Because I feel like if I have an expectation of, oh, well, I have, I've been working with this type of director. And if I work with the director who doesn't match that, then automatically I'm, I'm creating conflict. Um, but it's fun. He's definitely um, a musical heavy director. Um, it, he he kind of reminds me of like a, a film director in the edit room when you're adding the score to your film, you know? Mm. Music is so important to help tell a story when it comes to visual stuff like a, a video or film. So to see a, a theater director who's taking that importance and putting it into theater, I, it's... The Nigger Show is one of my favorite shows because of the acting, because of the story, but the music, the music from beginning to end helped to amplify what they were saying. So I am so excited to work with somebody who understands that. Because usually directors is like, okay, we're, we're blocking, we're doing character development. And music is like the last, maybe one of the few last things, maybe tech week is when you'll hear, hear a song or hear the transition music. But we've been hearing music the whole process. It's, it's setting the tone that is um that is helping me find the rhythm of the show. Blue, you got any questions or? Well, no. I mean, well, aside from, um, well, I do. So I saw that there was um I saw a, some snippets of the rehearsals. Um, so I, I saw some movement. Is there going to be a lot of dancing? A lot of um, dance incorporated. How was that for you? Is that something that is, um, was that difficult for you? Was that, do you have two left feet? Are you, you know, um, you got a lot of rhythm, you got a lot of, you know, shake, boom, shakalaka in your hips. What am I going to be saying when I come? <laughs> mm. according, according to Miss Jiggett, um, I don't, I, I need to work on my pelvic, my, my, my hip movement, you know, it's a, it's a little movement that we got to do to be sexy with the hips. Apparently I need more hip practice. Um, <laughs> um, I, you know, I've, I've been a big dude my whole life. I went to Baltimore school for the arts for, for high school, for theater. And I was the only big guy in my class. And from what I can remember from my freshman year to when I left, I was the only big person in that program, the theater. Um, and it was very rigorous physical training. And from that time up to now, I always have to make sure that even if I'm maintaining this physical figure, the, the gut, the man boobs, the flabby arms, I still need to be able to move and do what, whatever my choreographer and, and director asks. So yes, you know, um, I haven't done musical theater or show that required me to do any dancing in a wild blue. So mm -hmm. it, it's it, it took a little bit to get that rhythm back, but no, it, it, it wasn't harder. I don't feel out of place. Tracy Jiggets is an amazing choreographer. She's really um being patient and kind and taking us through through the steps. You know, I've worked with choreographers that are that are real assholes. Like I'm getting moved and that's it. Got it, then you mm -hmm. do it. Um, so, so the fact that she recognizes who, where we are, and is bringing speaks loads about her. Um, and but yeah, so I feel great. And when you and when you come and see it, I'm gonna be sexy. I'm gonna be pelvic thrusting, and y'all gonna love it. 
All right. Oh, hi, Sharon. Yes, it's blue. That's Sharon. I'm um, sure. sorry. I'm sorry. Hi. Just some, um, just some housekeeping noticing, uh, notices that I, I want to make sure people are, are aware of. One, this show opens up on November the 11th uh, at Arena Playhouse, 801 McCullough Street. Um, please come on by. We have three weekends. It runs from the 11th to the 27th of November. So you have ample time to be able to come see this Monday, Saturday, I'm saying Monday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Um, and I want to mention that this production is a collaboration between the Arena Playhouse and uh, Troy Burton's creative consulting company. Um, the characters were, are, the characters and stories were developed out of a series of, as I said before, the community conversations, um, as well as our podcast, as well as our writer's room. Um, the script was written by uh, some phenomenal, a collection of phenomenal Baltimore artists, um, Easy Jackson, Jackie Terry, um, Sheila Gaskins, Tracy Jiggins, Troy Burton, Derek uh, uh, Watkins, um, a phenomenal group. Did I get everybody? And we have a couple contributing writers as well. Um, the production focuses on the journey of Kevin, a 17-year-old Black male. Uh, there are also some micro stories within the production of the Black men that are in Kevin's life, family and friends alike, uh, that help shape his direction. Um, this story is a, a great story that came out of uh, a real nigga show. Um, you thought I was him uh, was a short uh, film uh, done in collaboration with um, Troy Burton, Bashi Rose, um, and um, ooh, Center Stage. It was a, a project that they were doing. Uh, and it kind of tells the story of the moment we were in, not directly tells the story of Trayvon Martin. Not Trayvon Martin. What was the young man here? Um, Freddie. Um, Freddie Gray. Freddie Gray. Um, and it was really inspired by that moment. Um, and, and just realizing, uh, especially as Black men, our stories are normally usurped by everybody else. And our stories are normally told from the perspective of everybody else. Um, even though in this production, we had Tracy Jiggins, Mama Jackie, um, and Mama Phyllis Gaskins that wrote uh, really powerful moments. Um, it was really all, all three of those women have a real strong connection to the Black men in their lives and the Black men in their communities. Um, so I'm really excited. Uh, uh, I'm really excited to uh, be a part of this project that is really amplifying the male perspective, the male story, the male point of view. Um, and both uh, Noah and his cast members and Blue and the other community conversation members, as long, along with the writer's room, along with the podcast series, have all contributed to the morsels that are going to make up the deliciousness of this production and it's gonna be moments where you're gonna shed a tear you're gonna definitely see people um that you know like uh noah said that's um that uh pennsylvania avenue corridor 
um, that that space is is very familiar to many people. Um, even if you did not live in that area, is the history that that area has in terms of not only the famous celebrities that walk through that streets at times, but just the families that are still there. You, um, we heard about Cab Calloway's family that is such an integral part of that neighborhood and many other people who just made up this, the backstory of this production. It was so much stuff, not even, it was so much stuff that couldn't even fit into the story, you know, and it was very, you know, my stomach would turn and trying to figure out how they would get all of that in this. Um, but <laughs> Sharon is going off in the comment section. But uh, it, it really is just a poignant story of the male's perspective from various points of view. Um, is there anything that you want people to walk away with from this story? Hmm. I'm, I'm going to give a quick answer now but the next podcast that we do was a closer we get to the show i'll definitely have a uh, more sound answer but i i definitely want them to walk away with what does family mean to them you know mm. um and just to be transparent you know i'm minus my immediate family like my mother my stepmother my sister two cousins you know i'm not necessarily that close with family um so this this piece you know everybody is related and it, and it is black men a black family unit of men that are growing and learning together and going through the not only the trials of life the trials of being a fucking baltimorean um, so i definitely want people to walk away from this play Regardless if you have a good family that uh, dynamic or not, like what does family mean to you? And what can you do? What can you do for your family? What is your family doing doing for you? Blah blah blah. Just questioning the whole thing, what family means to them. So that's my mm -hmm. quick answer. I'll have a better for a better one for you in a couple of weeks. And we'll be having a talk back that first weekend um with a couple of special guests. So um definitely come out, get your tickets. Um, opening night is going to be a splash. Troy doesn't do anything small. Um, and he's been talking about pulling back, but he's not. So opening weekend will definitely be great. Um, I believe the talk back will be on that Sunday. So come, come back, um, come back each week. Um, and I just saw in the um, comment section, Shern, um, so there is a there is a um, fundraising component to this where your organization, whether you're a nonprofit or not, if you have a group of family or you have a social group, friend, you can definitely sponsor a block of tickets to help us push um, and fill these seats up each day of the show. I believe that's non-performances that we have. Um, so you can get a block of tickets and you'll be listed as a sponsor. I um, mean, you'll get some special perks from the theater as well. Um, but Sharon Nixon has has jumped on board for the Fashion Umbrella, and they'll be coming out. So come on. Uh, we will get her date out there soon. We have a number of other, uh, other shows that the cast members and the production team will be doing in the next couple weeks. 
Um, so if you have a show, if you have a brand, um, if you have a podcast, definitely welcome us on. You can send us an email at you thought I was him, the letter you thought I was him at gmail.com, or you can call me directly at 443-839-0118 and um, book us for your platform. Uh, what is a talk back? A talk back is, um, so after a show, typically we get like a panel of people to come up and discuss some really important parts of the show. Um, and either they're connected to the piece by like, Blue was a part of the conversation. We probably have him come on board. He doesn't know yet, but he probably will bring his ass up there and uh, be a part of it. Uh, and maybe some of the writers, maybe some of the people we had on a podcast, but it's like a panel discussion about the play after the play. Um, and we're gonna do it on Sunday because Sunday show is a little bit earlier than Friday and Saturday nights. So come on, join us. Um, it's a great conversation. We've been having this conversation in controlled environments um, for the past year, and that will be our first opportunity to have it completely open to the public. Um, and we just wanted to create a safe space of conversations that wasn't filtered with a lot of anger or back and forth. Um, and it really was us creating safe spaces for the men involved in this piece. Um, do you feel that kind of safety space in this? Theater is that anyway, but do you feel that in this piece? Both, and that's to Blue and to Noah. So the interesting thing, I was listening to Noah speak, and I, I remember when we were actually having the community conversation with those wonderful men. And um, what was uh, what I liked about it was the diversity of the men in the room. Um, these were all Black men, um, all from different walks of life, all um, sharing their unique experiences. And which, which what was unique about the conversation was that every man was um, um, struggled with their definition of what masculinity, what manhood was. And I mm. think in peace, that's what I'm really interested in seeing um, is, you know, that, that you know, that um, um, that complexity um, that men have to go through with being a man, especially black men, you know, um, you know, being a father, being a son, um, being an elder, being a community leader, um, uh, um, surviving in a space that's not necessarily safe for you to survive in, you know, and so, um, and to see the evolution of that, to see this come to life um, is something that I'm looking forward to seeing. I want to know, did you get that same feeling when you were, um, as you were um, immersed in learning the role and developing the characters, was that something that they um, stressed? Was that something that was a, a key component in developing the um, play itself? Noah. Y'all did such a good job with the writing or the conversation that converted into the script that it's already uh, a mm. pivotal element in it. And mm. it was the wording and subtext and themes and everything. So we've had conversations um, in the earlier workshop parts about what it means to be a man and masculine masculinity, but it's not something that Troy had to stress because I did such a good job making it a part of what that script was. And um, I, I think in today's world, especially me as a young man, it is so, so 
important that we have this conversation. And again, that's why I said I'll have a better answer of what I want people to get away from this play later on. Um, mass being what I thought a man should be has caused me so much mental strife and depression and stress. And now, as I'm still learning, and I will always be a student, and will always learn the the fact that I, I'm I'm learning to let that societal construct BS go. Like I shouldn't have to feel like I am perceived as weak or not a man if I cry or if I express to you how I'm feeling without being angry or giving you the silence. Okay. Which what you did right here makes me feel this way, like that, you know. So just breaking down the 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 ideology of what masculinity is, especially in this growing society, is so important. Especially if somebody is working with youth, a teacher, something like that, it is pivotal. It's interesting that you say it in that way. Because um, today's topic is getting out of our own way. And the more we're able to talk about this in today's society, we're getting more and more, one, conflicting points of view, and also kickback from non-Black males in terms of um, really nitpicking how we're choosing to speak out and how we're choosing to display our manhood in certain ways. Um, and I don't think it's it's a conspiracy, but I definitely think that there's there is a lot of anger associated with now men having this space to feel. And what does that mean to manhood and masculinity and um, our woman counterparts? What does that mean now that we have this space? Are we gonna go too far? Um, and now we're we're gonna continue to talk about the play, but now is the controversial part of this conversation. And without all of bells and whistles, but we have um, we had the late Kevin Samuels. We now have um, uh, Kanye uh, being the center of controversy, as he in in many ways to me it seems like he's exploring his. Um, voice, and maybe he's not doing it in the right way, but however he's doing it is not coming across to people in such a good way. But in terms of the manhood side of that, how are, how do we, and your both of you, how do we continue to push the envelope or push the agenda that we have to get this, we have to heal Black men, basically? How do we do that? without the extremes of a Kanye or Kevin Samuels or the other men um, that are taking the drastic route to identify and pronounce their manhood. I think it's important that we understand that the Kevin Samuels and the Kanye West, um, they, they were created, you know, mm -hmm. circumstances that they had to endure. And so I think that it's very important that we that that this is why this piece is really important because there is um, there is a look at how these men evolved into the men that they become, the circumstances that they had to go through that sometimes re, they they um, 
it's always interesting that people don't know the backstory. They see the result of the backstory. So they the assume, behavior. yeah, they assume that, you know, this is a result of X, Y, and Z, but they don't actually know the backstory. And um, even, um, um, and they're also sometimes unwilling to hear it. You know, there is not because they they didn't want to hear it, but they really can't understand. It's almost like it's it's spoken in a different language, and so you have to. Um, it's 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 very important that that's something that is taken into consideration when we're doing having these conversations. And we're talking about you know um, black men, especially black men in America. You know what they have to endure, what they have endured, um, what these young men in this generation uh, are dealing with. You know, it's not um, it's because I didn't have to deal with that. You know, um, um, some of the things that they did, they don't have to deal with some of the things I had to deal with, you know. And that was something that came out in the conversation that that generational mm -hmm. very important. There was some there was some aspects that they, they were looking at this generation. There was some resentment because, you know, um, they didn't have to with this, each other. Yeah, they didn't within amongst each other because they didn't have to, like this generation didn't have to endure um, what we had to do. They didn't have to fight those fights. They didn't have to see some of those traumas. But on the flip side, we don't experience some of the traumas that they are now experiencing as a result of a lack of conversation, a lack of right. following, um, inactivity, you know, turning a blind eye, you know? And so it's that that's the reason why it, this, play was really important because um, I think that sometimes when we see black men, we have, we kind of generalize and say, they all this, they look like this, they all act like this, mm -hmm. they all think. And when you have a peak like this, you see that, no, they don't all think like that. They don't have those, they don't right. all share those experiences. And um, then you say, oh, wait a minute, I need to take a step back and I really have to reevaluate how I'm judging this individual. And so that's why I say it's very important that we be mindful. You know, the Kevin Samuels and the Kanye West probably were not that way in the beginning. But as time progressed, as the world beat them up, as life beat them up, as circumstances beat them down, this is how they've evolved. And I think we have, it's important that we, um, we remain vigilant of our young men and women um, and that we uh, understand that we create the monsters that we see in the movies. They're not just mm -hmm. something that comes out that's not born. They, they are created. And the monsters in our communities, we've created those monsters. And so we have right. to take some responsibility, you know? I say that all the time. I say we can't pretend that a lot of the things that we have right now were always what we had. So a lot of the behaviors or the outcomes that we see right now uh, are a result of generations of, like you said, sweeping stuff under the rug, um, laughing stuff off, ignoring it, or, you know, trying to beat it out of them or pray it out of it or, you know, um, pushing. It, it is building this play and being along the journey of how this play was built has been somewhat traumatizing to me. Not necessarily because it was all my story, um, but watching someone else struggle and watching other people get angry at a person's struggle is traumatizing to me. It really, I understand some of the stuff, a lot of the stuff, if not all the stuff that uh, Kevin Samuels or Kanye has said 
hurts people. Mm-hmm. But we're we're the it feels like we're the only culture of people that get angry at other people's mental struggles. And it, it feels like we're angry at them. Um uh I, I think some what's the lady that was in the Halloween movie? Um, after he made the remarks about Jewish, he made a general statement about Jewish people. She suggested that he get his children taken away from him. And it is just, it's so easy to combat the things that a black man says, even when he's speaking out of anger or passion or resentment, it's so easy to villainize without, like you said, without knowing the backstory. I think that's important to even see that, you know, that this person has, you know, um, I think for years have been stating, this is what I, look, I need some assistance. You know, look, are you hearing me? Um, mm-hmm. Are you seeing me? Are you giving me the attention that I need? And we've been ignoring it. And so that you can, uh, you can see that on a smaller level that just going to the school, you know, and you have a young person that is struggling with, the directions or how the school, the, the instructions in the classroom. And what do you see? You see it, you see it manifest itself in the behavior. They start to act out. And the thing is, is that they don't just swing on the person that is um, that, that is causing the issue. They swing on everybody. That anger is now directed in every direction. And they don't realize, and that's because that frustration, I, I've been saying that I needed some assistance or I've been saying that I've been misunderstood or I've been saying that I needed, you know, that something is wrong and no one's paid any true attention. And I think that's just something common with a lot of black men. You think of it, black men are like the the, the bottom of the burrow. <laughs> you know, uh, there's white men, there's white women, there's black men, women, and then there's um, black men. And now there is, you know, the sub, Called their subcultures above black men. So mm-hmm. it's like, how do you really address a black man's needs? He has to you, you everyone else has been um, um provided some assistance and support, you know, but the black man, you know, he can't get housing without uh, um having a disability in order for it because or, or a criminal record. Or a criminal record, and even with a criminal record, you have these programs that's developed to try to get them back into a community, but then they're always judged on the fact that they have a criminal record. So they yeah. never get those opportunities. And so then you wonder why they're on the corners, or you wonder why they're sticking people up, or you wonder why they're, you know, these things are happening. And it's, you know, um, um, they, they want you to fit into this one box as if everyone can fit into that box. And it's not real and it's not fair. And, but that's yeah. what we as black men are left to endure with. And I think that it's important that that's across the board. That's black gay men, that's black bisexual men, that's black, black straight men. That's across the board. They all have that common theme of a struggle. There's going to be a struggle. And despite what it is that they're dealing with, whatever the backstory is, because they're a black man in the United States of America, they're going to be dealing with those things. And that's why it was important that we had a story with multiple males, um, their perspectives, because you, it makes sense that these voices what you, be. What you, and what you said was that, uh, what was it? It's like a proverb, ethnic proverb, the child is not, that, says, that does not feel warmth from its village will burn down the whole village. Um, and it's just that it, it, 
it pains me to see, and I don't want to make any of these conversations or this production about men versus women or because that's not what the play is about. That's not what this conversation is about. But we all can have a space to have our voice heard. And I say this, I've said this in so many workshops I've been in and um, uh, places I've had to speak. Men typically get the help that we need after we're so far gone in one given circumstance. Um, and, and typically, you know, after a young man is, it used to be, you know, 10 or 11 or well, 15, 16, but now it's getting younger and younger when people stop asking young men what they want to be. And they assume, be based off their environment or their behavior, that they already are going to go in this direction. That's that's what the whole prison to uh, school to prison pipeline is all about. If they have certain behaviors or issues going on, as young as kindergarten and pre-K, they are projecting that they're going to end up in a jail. That's why they can justify building baby bookings. Uh, style jails or facilities over new schools. Um, but it, this play has, when I tell you, uh, uh, no, I wish you were able to take part in the community conversation of it all, because there were a lot of, of these types of topics that were being brought up um, in terms of your generation, that a lot of people, it's just a lot of gaps. And one of the conversations that I've been having with uh, both Blue and with uh, uh, Troy throughout all of this, there's a missing uh, space of, of mentorship. At some point, our older generations took their hands off of us. My generation, Blue's generation, and it, it just, by the time they got to your generation, Noah, it was already so distant. I didn't say mentorship just totally was gone, but it was it was for mentorship turned into only the children that were achieving a certain level already versus the ones that really needed it. Not to say that just because they were achieving, they didn't have issues at home or self-esteem or whatever issues. But it was it's geared towards the student that looks like they're going to be the next Obama or the next um, Michael Jordan or the next, you know, it was it's starting to be geared towards that and now it's a it's a competition amongst the generation that should be mentors and the generations that should be mentees um and as black men both of you um what has been the difficult uh part about becoming a man or learning what manhood is the most difficult part for me uh, mm -hmm. was the unlearning the mm -hmm. unlearning be a man and to go back to what you said about you you get a quick dis disclaimer saying you know this conversation shouldn't be attached to the show like we're doing like a man versus woman thing and anybody who's thinking like that needs to watch out because i need feel to like you need to come see it mm -hmm. i feel like the concept of what it means to be a man and black men is kind of just in the state of emergency I, when you, you know, the concept of masculinity and sexuality is so twisted that you have a whole generation of folks that won't wash their ass a certain way because it'd be perceived gay. But I thought that was just cleanliness. I thought that was just, I'm 
cleaning my body, but because the thinking and the teaching is so wrapped up and twisted, your underwear now has has stains for the rest of your life because you because you're trapped in this box. So that thinking yeah. is a state of emergency. It's it's, it's trivial. It's but just it's so deep that you don't clean yourself properly because your ideologies of what it means to be. But remember, remember the thought that came before that. I think we talked about this in the workshop portion. Um, the idea of men don't sit down to use the restroom. Just this something as trivial as that, and that defining what type of man you are. Yeah. Like, how do you? I, and I never thought about the unlearning of a black man to become a black man. Like that's a if I, if I would stay the same for who Noah was in middle school, I wouldn't be talking to y'all. Y'all wouldn't have even associated with me. It would be a completely different person. I had to unlearn what I was taught from middle school, from high school, from 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 my from from my young adults to to, to my older twenties now. Like it's a constant. It, you, I think masculinity is flexibility. To be able to all evaluate and reevaluate where you are in the world, but that's I being think. human because everybody else, other cultures, other sexes, have been allowed to be flexible, except for black men. No matter how you identify, you were told to be this. And many of us grew up in families with a bunch of men who were rarely there, or they they were away at college. That's what I was taught the penitentiary was, um, or Hagerstown was, that was college. Uh, but we were, we, it, it, and like you said, as even as you grow, you run into things where you have to unlearn it and then learn it in the moment of it. I think that's a different type of person. Go ahead, Blue. No, I was I, piggybacking off of what you were saying. I think it's really important in Noah. Um, the fact that you said to unlearn it, where did we learn it from? Who mm. did we learn it from? You know, and the, uh, the, the fun mentors, my friends, my the 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 people that I thought that was a man's man, like that's a man. I want to be that man. And what did that person look like? And so that I'm a misogynistic asshole. <laughs> exactly. So it's like the the person that we were getting that document that accusations from. <laughs> Um, was a person that looked like us. You get what mm -hmm. I mean? And you know, um, you know, the locker room conversations about sexuality, and you getting this bad information, and you go out here and you regurgitate the stuff, and then you wonder why you all jacked up in life. You it, know, it, why it pains me. It it like really this this is a sensitive subject for me because that unlearning process is hard because I'm not saying the three of us made it out. But I'm thinking about my family members and my friends who went the other the other way, who I pass in the street, or if I go to a family function or a fruit, and I see them and I see that they went polar opposite. And what could have been of that, not to say that we are perfect, but what could have been of that mind? Normally they were the most creative, the most talented, or the most intelligent, but because they believed that hype. And they were never introduced to other possibilities that could help them to unlearn and relearn. They still 
30, 40, 50, 60, 70 years old with that same mindset. They passed away. They died and never learned. Like they've gone to the other life still. Still. Mm. And that's a, that you say that 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 growth, that um stunning of growth, you yeah. know, because that does it stunts their growth. And so what happens is you have individuals that are um, I'm trying to navigate life with the mindset of, you know, a 13-year-old or the mindset of a seven-year-old but they're 40 and they still function emotionally as a seven-year-old. And you wonder why they throw temper tantrums. You wonder why they, um, um, they can't hold down a job. You wonder why they can't communicate effectively because that stunts their growth. And, and this is a relationship. And that to me has been the, the biggest, like, I, I think the, uh, I think that's the biggest, uh, um, I can't even articulate what it is because I'm just like, it's in my, I'm in my emotions about it. But that's like the biggest disservice yeah. to black men. Like the biggest thing that they've actually done to black men has made it to the point where they can't grow. They can't evolve. And so they're ineffective. They're not even useful, you know, to anyone yeah. around them as a result of that conditioning. And that unlearning and they is They so know it though, Blue. They know it. I sit and watch the Green Champs, the last interview with Kanye. I watched that three times, all three parts, three times. And he said it. He said it was their plan. They made me out to be the monster. Now I'm going to be the monster. So right. at some point, they not only are aware of it, but they like, well, I'm the monster. I'm the hoe. I'm the gigolo. I'm the XYZ. I'm the pimp. I'm the no good nigga. I might as well live up to it. Absolutely. That, it hurts. That that hurts me in a that, way that is unimaginable. The thing is, what hurts even more is, is that the people you would think that it's, you know, um, the you know, the racist white man that's doing the tearing down. That's not the case. Mm -hmm. The people tearing you down is looking just like you. The people that are tearing you down are in the same home as you. The people that are tearing you down is in the same church as you. The people that are tearing you down is in the classroom teaching you. So you can't, so it's, you know, and this is, I'm not saying that that's not the experience of black females, but I do know that for black men, that is everyone. Black women are against black men. Black men are against black men. White women are against black men. White men are against black men. Puerto Rican women are against black men. So when you're a hated person by everybody, that's a fucked up situation. <laughs> especially when you yourself, especially when it's the man on man hating, like you know what this feels like to be created as a monster. And you put that on somebody without even knowing their backstory. It is it's criminal when we do it to each other, whether you're a man, woman, gay, straight. I, and I can only speak for people of color because that's all I've ever been in my life. But it it, it is it's incredibly heart-wrenching to have it done to you by people who know what that feels like it is and i'm not even i'm not taking up for kanye and but it's just something about this story because we keep watching it happen to one black man after another if it wasn't alvin iverson it was michael jordan it was bill cosby if you can go down the list of black men who 
we put up here, then we pulled the rug from underneath of them. I just watched this uh, episode from B. Simone. She's on the Wild and Out show. And their, their topic was men being called great men, especially the ones that cheated. So they were taking the great title from them because they cheated. And she went down the list and she said Martin Luther King was a great leader and he was a great this. He was a great this, but he cheated on his wife. So he's not fucking great. And and when I say I watch I watch tons of podcasts and I, I just I like the atmosphere of conversation. And I'm watching all of these new podcasts pop up with women and they spend most of their time debating on the things that black men don't do. So a white man just punched this black lady in the face, but I didn't see any black men jump in. This black, this white woman cussed this black woman out, but I didn't see the black man jump in and save her. And it's, it's no matter what the problem is, who's doing it, you can always tie it back to a black man not doing something. And I hate that, I hate these conversations. I really hate them. I hate that we're having this conversation or have to have it, but it just, it feels incredibly, like I feel like I'm in a box. And I used to say that it started with the Me Too movement, but I've always felt like that because I've gotten to hear, you know, I was the safe friend. I was the friend that you could talk about other black men about. And it just, it was weird to hear the conversations because at some point I realized I was included in that group of men you were talking about and that's when it was like oh you talking about me too like i'm in clip and then be, it became hurtful and that's why i think this play unlike many of the other plays because we've had plays like this but colored men um it's a, a couple other plays that just got off broadway strange loop that talks about the male story you have august wilson who spent his whole career writing from a black male's perspective about other black men, but it just still doesn't feel like it's enough conversation around how do we create safe spaces for men for them to heal. So you don't have these ancient men running rampant in the world anymore because it feels like the same women who complain about the ancient men raise ancient men and then send them out into the community with other people who complain about them being Asian, and then it just keep going around in the cycle. Well, because think about the rationale as to why they create those type of men. It's a control thing, you know. Mm -hmm. If you control me, if you if you have to depend on me for everything, then I can always control you. You'll always be subjective to me, you know. And so that's why you see women are in a you know um you know that you go down to a courthouse. And you see, you know, um, well, I'm, he had child support because uh, he didn't want to be with. Him. He he had child. Now, not saying that he's a bad father, not saying that he's a he, he's not providing, but because you don't want to be with me, then I want to punish you and make it. This is how I'm gonna punish you, you know. And so they've weaponized the judicial system against black men for every little thing. And so now, you know, and so that's a part of the grand scheme. And so, like I said, you damned if you do, and you damned if you don't. And, and they've and done it's such a great job at it that they taught men how to do the same thing to women or to other people. Now well, you have I, a whole slew of men who are now learning those same measures 
and using it against mothers and taking their children away from them. Well, but I think that's because of the saying the reason the rationale for that is because of situations like the Kevin Samuels and the fresh and I'm um, Kanye West. I've gotten so frustrated that now I have to figure out how I can fight back. And the only way that they're fighting back is I'm gonna do the same thing that you're doing to me. Yep. I, yes. I, I, I'm, I'm gonna swing on you. So now you see back in the day when men did not like you. I know in my generation, you you weren't supposed to um hit a female. That was something that was kind of like no men what don't generation hit did you grow up in? I grew up in a, a chivalrous generation. Now I'm not saying that they didn't oh, do well. it. Well, you must be what you about 200 years old. But I still look beautiful, honey. Still a beautiful, still a lady of the night. <laughs> <laughs> so now I was saying that don't look like that, Noah. So, <laughs> um, man, I, I but, didn't warn. I didn't warn either but, about the other one. So just put it on me, blame me. I'm looking at this hip hop. I'm, I'm, I'm like loving hip hop in those episodes where the men are just swinging. They are fighting back, and any I mean, they're dragging the girls. They taking them out down steps. They are uh, throwing water on them. They do not care no longer. It's like it, you see the frustration. Well, I asked you again, who raised you? Because I knew men like that growing up. That was the shit out of a woman. Not me. Not my no. That was not something that was common. And that's oh, well. That, I, I need, you need to bottle your childhood and sell that shit. Because no. No. I'm just saying. You do not hit no female. I watch men beat their wives or their girlfriends. Uh, but that's but that's interesting. But you're not in my generation. You're the I, generation. I, I tell people that all the time. Now you're admitting it. You heard yeah. that, Marnie? My generation. Well, no. That's lets me know that my generation did your generation a disservice. Well, that's because, that's what I said. The closer, well, so by the time we get to to Noah, who's in his twenties, it's it's a total. You know, I, I one of the writers of this play, Sheila Gaskins, we grew closer because I was fascinated with the Baltimore that you speak of, that she speak of. And she spoke of like this neighborly feeling and, you know, people looking out for each other and protecting each other. And I was like, damn, where did the, um, was that this, you know, at, at 1980, did that just like fuck that stop? But see, that's because I had I was my generation. We had that. We could leave the door open at night, like in the summertime. We did. We could sleep out on the porch. That was mm. that was that was a thing. And but you, I wish the hell you would try to leave your door open at night around nowadays. Not only will the raccoons be inside your house, but everybody in the neighborhood. He's shagging with you <laughs> and everything. So that's not a common thing. I, I lock my door and 10 minutes later, I go back to make sure I lock the fucking door. And then I wake up out of my seat. Did I lock that door? Let me go downstairs and make sure I lock that door. Let me tell you, I even look under the bed and it's not for Jason or Michael Myers or Freddie. I just like make sure that my shit don't have nobody that's not supposed to be in here. <laughs> well, that's that's your special neighborhood. That's that's that shit is your neighborhood. But I, I, you know, when I I was thinking about today's show and and how real, really, just these shows for me have 
been over the last couple years because I've felt like being more honest about what I'm feeling. And sometimes it feels like a ramble. That's why I needed to have guests because I don't want a soapbox production going on. But it really, these, these conversations, you would think that we don't need to keep having them. And then I meet somebody in their 20s and realize, damn. Or I get into an argument with a parent and she tell me my way of being a teacher is disrespectful. And I'm too, uh, what did she say? I was too aggressive with her daughter by telling her daughter to keep her feet on the ground because her father doesn't talk to her like that. So that's why she feels the need to put her feet on people whenever she feel like it because her father doesn't talk to her like that. And I'm not saying beat a child or abuse a child, but at some point, and I hear people saying this, you have to let a man be a man, but you have to show him what that is first. Because when he start, when you start letting him be a man and he's slapping the shit out of people. But see, I'm always careful about that because what happens is, is people teach from their own experiences. Mm-hmm. And they yeah. may be teaching that toxicity. They may be teaching those behaviors that become problematic at some point, you know? Right. right. You, and so it is, I always teach from a perspective of, how it is, does it harm you? Is there a potential of harm either mm. to you or to anyone else? And I think that what we don't really take into consideration is a lot that a lot of young men deal with a lot of internal conflicts. So there Everybody. are one what they've been taught, they're where their moral compass is versus what they've experienced in their environment. And so it's a conflict. I know that it's not right for me to go up to somebody and punch them in the face and scare their shit. However, in my community, that is a rite of passage. All of the men in my neighborhood do that. You're not seen as part of the group. You're not seen as a part of the collective if you stand out. And then that puts you on a position where you may be targeted because you're not like everyone else. So then that right. whole idea of being unique is being like, I was taught that I'm okay. it's okay to be unique, but then I'm conditioned to be a collectivist. You get what I mean? Like, I got to be a part of the group in order to be accepted. So that's why you see all of the guys doing the same shit. No one wants to be unique. Everybody wants to have their ass hanging out and everybody wants to talk and mumble talk. You know, once one rapper start mumbling, then the other rapper, you know, then no one wants to be articulate. No one wants to read the dictionary no more. No one wants to get a little deeper because that's the- Bitch, I got Google. What I need a dictionary for? But they don't, if you, you got you're looking up on Google. You can't well, just. I don't, even have to, I don't even know. How, I don't even know how to spell it. All I gotta do is push the microphone and say you, you, what it is that I want. Trying to spell it phonetically, and you got that wrong. You know, <laughs> like, shit. Hook <laughs> on phonics is no longer a thing. It's but not. I, it I, is I really, a thing. I, I heard commercials recently. It's still a thing. Hooked on phonics. Yes, and it and was that's because more speech. That's more speech driven. Phone hooked on phones is it wasn't meant to help you learn how to read. It was oh, okay. helped to help you to speak. Uh, but uh well to clearly speak, uh, because the Negroes wasn't clearly speaking, uh, the English language. It is just you know, I don't know how else to have this conversation. Um uh, the way that we we initiated this production 
was uh, bringing, uh, I had an idea to bring a few guys together. And I had a long list and I whittled that down because I didn't feel like certain people's temperaments would mix or mix together well, which is unfortunate because some people who really needed this conversation, I had to sit them out until we were strong enough as a unit to be able to bring people or fold people into the conversation. And even throughout this process, we've come across young men, older men who need this. Like not just to sit down and and come see a play, but to be engulfed in the conversation for their forward moving needs. Um, as black men, what do you need? Like as a black man, thinking about who you are today, being completely honest with yourself, what are your needs? I'm a I'm gonna say what Jay Z said. Uh, I need the space to say whatever I like. I wait, 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 I need the space. To, uh, you know, I need that safe space. I need the space to yell. I need the space to to scream, I need the space to cry, I need the space to laugh, I need the space to learn and the freedom. Do all that without stigma, without pointing, without you're not being this or that, you know? I want the space, all the constructs out the way where I can be my authentic, where I can first have the space to break down all the society shit so I can introduce myself to my authentic self. And then once I get that introduction, what will that do for you, though? Because I think we're in a space right now where people are finding those spaces, and some of them ain't even finding the spaces. They're just doing it from wherever they at. But what would that help having that space? Because you can't stay in that safe space forever. Absolutely, having that safe space to be able to come and go as you need. But how does that affect the, and then, and then what? It should, if this space is as magical as I imagined it in my mind, it would clear up, it would clear up book in my mind that I can add new adventures for. I feel mm -hmm. like if I have this space where I can yell and scream and get all that all that internal mental shit that I was holding in there that was holding up uh, creative and mental and emotional space. Now, since that is clear up, I, now I feel like I might pick up a, a, a new hobby. I might find that I do enjoy to read novels or I do enjoy to go to the beach and travel or to create or to direct or engineer or teach. You know, I'm, I'm again, discovering who I am because I have spilled, I have burnt the trash out my soul. I have empty the recycling bin for more stuff to be pitted. Mm. That is what I'm thinking. I think for black men to uh, to truly uh, get the assistance that they, I think what's needed for black men, let me rephrase that, is them to disconnect no, from that. No, that wasn't the question, Blue. I what? said, what do you need? Oh, so I'm saying that and what I'm about to respond to, yeah, it's gonna be uh -huh. everything. So what I'm saying is that to be able to disconnect from the matrix of life, you know, everything that we have nowadays is so um, instant. Yeah. We we yeah. everything you know everything is instant gratification. 
that we have forgotten how to do it with our own hands, how to stand mm -hmm. on our feet, how to navigate life in a way in which we actually are using ourselves to better ourselves. And so mm -hmm. we've become codependent, we've handicapped ourselves. And even with, I know that um, for me, um, I'm not, I, again, I was in it, I'm aging myself, but I had a rotary phone. Um, there were, <laughs> uh, the, yes, you, you don't make that fucking face. But anyway, <laughs> I had a rotary phone um, before there was touch tone phones. You know, I remember when, before 911 was 911, I remember the original police number to, so yeah, that's before it was, um, <laughs> 410 and 443, and it was only just seven digits to dial a phone number. Yeah, so I'm back in that generation. And when I say that, I say that to say that even though we have technology, technology has crippled us. Sexy though. That is, <laughs> that is refined. <laughs> that is not old, but yeah. But um, again, it, because where we are in community right now, the younger generations feel that the older generations aren't relevant anymore. A rotary phone isn't relevant anymore. But we well, can't I, just keep replacing stuff when we get bored with it. Well, I think the reason why it's important is because when those things fail you, what do you depend on? And if you don't have that ability to do it, then what? So if you don't have a computer to do your resume for you, then how do you do it? If you don't have a calculator to do the math for you, then how do you do it? And that's where they handicap. If you don't have mm -hmm. a computer for you, then how do you comprehend? You get what I'm saying? And so it's important we disconnect. No, that wasn't that was. That was my beeper. Um, and someone died, and let me tell you, that was my beeper telling me that somebody was trying to get in contact with me. And they thought, instead of it being a text message, they used the numbers, and then I got to turn my page upside down so I could read them and say hello. <laughs> they said hello to me. You know what I'm saying? Hello. Yeah, but that's what it was. I think a lot of, so this conversation has so many different arms and tentacles to it, you know, there, there's a point where you have to bring in the women. There's a point that you have to bring in the elders in general. There's a point that you have to bring in other cultures. Uh, there's a point where you have to bring in the different types of Black men, you know, to even continue to, because it's not a quick fix. Because there's it's so many not, different things but... that made Noah and Blue and Nate who we are, you know, and everybody has a different combination of what you bring into the conversation you know but i think I, that before we bring those individuals in again we have to be careful that they themselves have done the self-work and that they're operating in it it does not harm because right. i think what happens is is that we've had those elders talk to our young men before but they talked and they what they poured into them was harmful stuff we've had women talk to young men and young women before and what they've poured into them is harmful stuff and so yeah. what happens is they teach from their hurt and so then they teach how to hurt others and that yeah. is not what we're trying to do what we're trying to do is heal so you have to teach from how are you whatever you're teaching it should not harm you it should not harm 
um, it should not harm you and you should not be doing self-harm as a result of it. And I think mm-hmm. that is the missing component in a lot of the stuff that we do. We teach from a vindictive perspective. We want to, you know, because I'm hurt now, the world around me has to hurt. You know, um, because I no one listened to me, now fuck the world around. And that's not how you elevate yourself. That's not how you progress. And what happens is, is that when you don't learn how to heal, when you don't take the time out to heal, you only perpetuate that in the next generation. You pass that hurt on. Not only is it done um, through what we, how we teach, but it's even done in our biology, you know, Mm -hmm. to the point where we pass on our genetic defects. So people are predisposed to the illnesses that because we didn't know how to take care of ourselves. You know what I mean? And that yeah. is, that's deep. That's fucking deep. It's, I mean, but it it's also, we're in a space where people are, once you are too far gone in any given personality or disorder or it's almost like you've learned how to cope with it. I mean, the world that we in right now, medication does not cure you. It maintains who you are and what's going, what's wrong with you. Um, and I and I don't know why. Like the other day, I posted a photo of Kanye, and I preface it by saying, if you don't have a prayer or you don't have something encouraging to say at this photo, don't put anything. And what was weird, typically that type of photo brings out all of those things. Nobody said anything. And I'm I'm sure they just followed the the direction, but I'm not here. You know, don't fight me on this. You know, you you can't just keep throwing each other away when I'm bored with you or you don't serve my purpose. Because when that man got up and said, Bush don't don't care for black people. We were all for it because it matched our narrative. But the moment all his whatever's going on with him came out in every different direction, you know, I'm gonna embrace those people who embrace me. And sometimes those people aren't the best people for me. It's the reason people get into gangs. It's the reason that our gay youth are in houses because somebody who was put there to nurture me or be responsible for me or accountable was not doing their job. And I think that because we have this one it, one trick wonder mindset where everything has to work under this one mindset that this works for everyone and it doesn't, you know, mm-hmm. um, right. what works for you may not work for me. And I always mm-hmm. look at it as is that um, it's about um, keeping your garden Keeping your garden up. I think that what happens is, is that a lot of people don't know anything about gardening, but weeds, when weeds get in, they become very resistant if you don't consistently pay attention to your yeah. garden. You know, you have to go out there on a consistent basis and make sure that those weeds don't get in because guess what? Once they get in, they start um, 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 taking hold. You mm-hmm. can go out there as much as you want to. They're going to keep coming back. You have to pay consistent attention to how you're raising the young people around you, what they're being taught, who's teaching them. And they have several teachers. You're just not, you're not being taught just by your parents. You're being taught by the um, social media. You're being taught by teachers. You're being taught by your peers. And what they're teaching is from their perspective, from their experiences. And you don't know how jacked up their life is, you know, and that's what they're taking on. 
And it's unfortunate that for the again, black men have is at such a disadvantage that everyone has like everything is stacked against them to the point where they've lost hope in themselves. I think the biggest disservice to black men is that they don't believe that they are capable of even standing against some of the obstacles that's placed before them. They don't believe that they are as strong or as capable as they actually are because they've lost all of that hope. Well, and some and of them never even had it. Well, and and, and even the now, the elementary school uh, phase, because Blue, you're getting them at middle school, high school, you know. Um, I'm getting them as adults. Well, the, population I, the population that I work with is individuals that are struggling with substance use. Mm -hmm. And so they are in their they are in their 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, and they're still struggling with using illicit substances. And they're just trying to numb, numb whatever that pain is. And now exactly. they're going accustomed to doing it. Exactly. And so it's like when you think of that, you think, well, damn, this person has been dealing with this for 40 years. You get what I'm saying? That to me says a lot. Mm. Like that's not just in this generation. That's in all of the generations. You right. get what I'm saying? So it's like you when you think about it, like, damn, that's that's my grandmother's age. That's my great grandmother's age. And you mean to tell me you still have a, a, a uh, you're still struggling with substance use? What kind of stuff was going on then? So that lets you know that it's not just in this, it's, it's stuff that we've left unresolved for decades. And at some point we have to get, we, we have to stop marching and we have to stop talking and start actually doing something. Like really getting our hands dirty. Because I think that those talks and those, that's good. Those are good, but we have to put it into real action. We have to actually do some work. And figure out what the problem is. And we have to stop looking for saviors outside of our race. Their construct doesn't match ours. The psychology doesn't incorporate and doesn't include black people. So stop using it. You weren't a part of those researches. You weren't a part of that. Yeah. Stop using it. You get what I mean? That that it doesn't it, it didn't include us. So we need to start to recreate stuff that is benefiting us because what's happening is we're getting fucked up. We're mm -hmm. losing. Yeah. Nate Blue, I have to step away, but I would like to make my closing statement. Um, so let me let me plug it in, please, for everybody who's watching. First, first of all, Nate, thank you so much for bringing me on here. I always have fun at the Artist Exchange Radio. Um, please uh, get your tickets for You Thought I Was Him. It's going to be at, at the Arena Players. It is a joint production between Troy Burton and the Arena Players opening November 11th and running three weekends. So please, please, please come out and get your tickets. Blue, it doesn't matter how old you are. You still look sexy. You're killing these hoes. Um, <laughs> no, don't do that. <laughs> um, uh, I want to piggyback off for of this last statement, Blue. You said that we have to break ourselves out the Matrix. If you if you've seen, because they just made a new Matrix film, Matrix Resurrection, and the concept with that is, even when you break yourself out, 
you always have to be aware because you can slide back in so easily. Now, now you broke yourself out of one matrix and you put yourself in a new one. It's, so it's a constant. Mm -hmm. That's why I said staying flexible, always being aware, always staying sensitive to what's to, to what's around <laughs> you. And that's for me, as even as far as life, as far as acting, I always want to be a student. I always want to be learning, unlearning, and relearning because I feel like the day that I stop should be the day that I die. I love you, you sexy bitches. Goodbye. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Bye, Noah. I... <laughs> but I, I think I think the conversation is so valuable. It is so um, necessary and needed. It's so... Um, oh, we're just in a space where... And I, and I, knowing who I am, there has to be a fire because I would not talk about this like this. I would not bring it up if it was not, not just in my life, but I'm watching my friends, I'm watching my family members, I'm watching people just in the community um, suffer from identity issues. One of these days, we're going to be able to have a real conversation on dating and the struggles of it. Um, oh, no. That's my personal. No, just because it's needed. It is how we relate to each other on various levels is under fire. Like it's not even a, a smoke, it's on fire. Like even being in a romantic relationship with somebody is a struggle because one of us can't be who we really want to be. And the other one is, is trying hard to deal with that as they are abusing themselves and blocking the blows from this toxic person that I've fallen in love with. And that says a lot as a big statement. But um Nate, go ahead. I'ma tell you something. First of all, let's that that conversation has to be a two-part. So it's gonna have to probably be three Fridays. Um, you gonna there's definitely gonna have to be some cocktails. Honey, look, I got my drink, rip me two. You got two bottles, yes. We're definitely gonna have, we're gonna have some drinks. Um, because that's gonna be I got the it is hard for a bitch like myself. Yes, that. Yes, all of those. Mm -hmm. You got any more? You have any more drinks? You need some more. Where's the tequila? There has to I be got, some tequila. I got the shorty. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I think this is Casamigos. Yes. We need some of those drinks. Only because. That is a conversation that needs, I mean, no chases. It, it, no chases. That is going to be a wait until it's exhale moment. Um, it's difficult dealing with men, especially men loving men, because men, they only think with their penises and they can't think outside of that. And when you try to invest and do a lot more beyond the penis, it is almost as if. I mean, uh, it's almost like you're talking a foreign language. Was that, um, was that Marnie? Did he have a word, a message? I hope he ain't telling us that we got to go. We just we got, got a couple minutes. We just we got, got a couple here. minutes. We got a couple minutes left. 
I'm just uh, and there's in a most people don't know me because I've for my life have kept things. Um, what do you say? No, wait. So y'all pull out the drinks when I leave. Because <laughs> they don't want to be seen as corrupting you. Right. I don't, but, think, you're ready. I don't think he's ready for inebriated blig. <laughs> uh, he not. Oh, no, he not. He not. He not. Pay LaBelle songs and whatnot. But they, <laughs> but it just, it's, it's a conversation that's necessary, that's needed. And it's not just on a romantic front. It's with friendships. We're we're in a space of time where people are more comfortable shaking their dicks on Twitter and TikTok, and 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 friendships have to be with people that I'm sexually um, attracted to. Um, the the people that I the information that I receive has to be somebody that I want to have sex with um, for me because to listen. A new addiction, right? Like the, and that's the people that I put my my faith in have to be rich and wealthy and out of my reach for me to listen to it. Like it, it, it is a space where, you know, I grew up feeling certain types of way and we're definitely, you know, but I, I'm going to need blues attention in order to make that conversation as, you know, you know, and people theater. don't realize that they realize that. Um, you know, you can get more with less, you know. Um, I think that this, this uh, that's, uh, again, get the drinks ready. I might have to come in the studio. We may have to just do it from, where Marnie at? We got to do it in the studio. We can't do this type of situation, Marnie. We just got to go back into sitting in a room with our drinks right there and having a real conversation because, you know, it's going to get, it's we're going to go in. And I don't want Marnie to be coming in there Bleeping out words and shit. I want it to be raw, Marnie. Raw. Well, you know, I'm the censor. Marnie, Marnie is definitely don't care about censorship. That's not. He's good. actually against censorship. Good. I want to speak for you, Marnie, but if the Marnie that I remember is uh, against censorship. Well, see, I, I'm glad of that. So when we have that conversation, um. We can set up in your living room, uh, baby. Bring it, bring it on. We can come it together. Is, but what is necessary? It's so needed. It's so necessary um, because I think we're only doing more damage. And even in my relationships, I am learning. I have to show up for me, and in me showing up for me, I've. I've had to push other things that do, that don't serve me anymore out. And for some reason, from my male identity and the the lack thereof around me, or that was consistent in my life. And even now, I'm starting to, you know, and a lot of this stemmed from a conversation that I, another podcast I was watching, where um, women were being accused of putting their female traits on their male sons, and I think I sent that to you. And the effects of that. Um, but if ain't nobody else fucking around, who will be there? Do the mothers have to leave the child too? Or we just will have a bunch of orphans in the world? But I think it's a conversation that's necessary, that's needed. And um, if you saw, I shared the uh, link to the press release on the, the YouTube and the Facebook. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and I want people to really go through it and see what this, what this um, uh, show has been about. Um, oh, I, I, it's just heartbreaking to me that we're now in another space and another another decade. We're in now another decade. And we're taking a lot of that toxic behavior. And it's getting worse. It's getting it worse. Um, it is. I'm, and I'm watching young men on an elementary school level uh, present toxic behavior at their age. Yes. Like you, you know, children used to pick up on stuff, but they're presenting it. My last day at the previous school that I was just at, I sit down one of the young men who I think is having some identity issues as a fifth grader, uh, and which is sad because he should be thinking about cartoons and you know, you know, superheroes and colors and you know things of that nature, not his identity. You know, but you know what? Go ahead. If I can interject, I think that it is really important that we. I think adult, adults have just have messed up children with their own jacked up stuff. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, I think if you allow young people to be imaginative, and you know, you definitely want to put safety precautions in place. But childhood is about imaginative. Childhood is about exploration. Childhood is about learning the world and exploring the world around you. And yeah, you want to. Mm -hmm. You want to teach them, but again, you want to teach them from a space where it's not harming. And I think that all the adults teach from such a hurtful space. I'm just going to keep drilling it. They teach, I, I just hear it so often that people talk from such a hurtful space that mm -hmm. it's, it, 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 I mean, it's just, I mean, even the educated individuals, the people that are supposed to be the disciplinarians in their, their, um, whatever it is, their careers, these individuals that are supposed to be the know-it-alls and all of that stuff, they teach from such a hurtful space. And it's like, you wonder why people respond the way that they respond. And mm -hmm. even with relationships, you know, how is it that you are trying to develop and build a relationship with someone when you can't build a relationship with yourself, when you don't even like the person you see in a mirror? Right. When you have you're conflicted about how you love, who you love, why you love. Actually, you may not even know that you know how to love because the love that you've been presented with is all jacked up. Yeah. But we That's, you assume you want, but and you want to know why you can't have and maintain a relationship for more than a month, for more right. than two. It's because it, you broke. But, but it's also, we're at a space where um, once you become an adult, the assumption is you know better. The assumption is you know better. And I don't, I don't know why. I know this young man, I'm speaking of Kanye, I know his ears be burning. Because I'll be watching, I'll go into the YouTube rabbit hole of interviews he's done, and I'm speaking out loud to, you know, uh, the TV, the screen, or TV, and it really does. 
It bothered me how angry people are at him right now. Well, it would be you who would identify he is a Gemini. But I, and I think that's, and when I realized that, I did not realize it, but I, you, you ignore a person because over the years, people have been saying, man, shut up, Kanye, just go back and create some more music. So that's what he did. But he, but the problems didn't go anywhere. So every time they resurface, they get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger because you've taught him how not to deal with it. Right. And to put it into his work. Now his work has become just as destructive as his thoughts outside of that was. And it's just a weird space to be in. It's weird. It is um it's just weird. And I just don't I don't want to be in that anymore. Um mm -hmm. and as as a black man. I just, I'm in a space where I just need for it to happen. Like Noah was saying, we need to have it. Um, we need to have that space to be able to have the conversation, if nothing else. Just so we understand and we can surface the problems that we're going through. Um, right. So that's, that's, that's the gist of what I want to talk about. But at some point before the end of the year, because we got well, like one more month of shows left, um, where we just have to get that conversation out. And I've, <laughs> I'll tell you why later, but yeah, it needs okay. to happen. Um, so again, this has been the Artist Exchange Radio Show. Please, 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 please get your ticket to the You Thought I Was Him project. It is a year-long project of a world premiere of a production that is for men, uh, partially by men, uh, represented by mostly men. Um, um, and shout out to the women, Tracy Jiggins, Jackie Terry, Sheila Gaskins, that have been the balance that is necessary in this piece. Um, shout yeah. out to- Hey, hey y'all. Easy Jackson, Derek Watkins, um, Troy, uh, Lauren, Lonnie, uh, Franklin, DDM, um, who else? Me, Blue, um, Derek, a host of other people. Please come on out to this play. We have a special presentation that will be having an opening night, um, and, uh, as well as, uh, uh, I was about to say an open mic. <laughs> a conversation, um, a talk back with a number of the people contributing to this piece uh, that Sunday of opening night at the Arena Playhouse, 801 McCullough Street. You can go to Ticketbud and look up um, uh, Arena Playhouse. You thought I was him and you'll get your tickets. Um, come on out and support. Um, and we'll be back next week. I'll have two more actors join us next week and uh shortly as well so um peace out people next up is the skyline radio show i see um mr um mark and his uh lace front beard uh in the in the waiting room so we're not gonna um pause his show anymore um i'm gonna milk my two minutes 
But peace out, people. Anything you wanted? Anything coming up, Blue? You have. This was the Artist Exchange at Be Exposed Radio. You can join me and my co-host Nate Kauza next week. Um, he's been holding it down for a long time since I've been, you know, um, dealing with so many things. And I really do appreciate him and all that he does. Nate, you're a wonderful co-host. I want you to keep up the good work. I've groomed you to be wonderful. Um, when I'm not here, you know how to take over when I'm, you know, what baby. What narcissism going looks like if y'all was, <laughs> if y'all was ever thought thinking about it. Um, but peace out, peace, peace out, people. I'm gonna call I'm you, gonna okay? Call you, so answer your phone. All right.